This morning's reading is in John's first letter, chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. That's 1 John, chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. <clears throat> Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not, that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Okay, I'm putting my mask in the left pocket too many things to juggle um, as you heard that passage being read you'll see it's talking about what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe so for example when a Christian friend comes to you and um, tells you what you should do should you listen to them if they claim to have advice from God should you listen to them or should you not listen to them if someone comes to you and tells you that you should be attending their church, not your church, because their church has got it right, yours hasn't, do you listen to them or don't you listen to them? And when you're listening to a sermon like you are right now, do you trust the person who's speaking or do you question what they have to say? It sets this up for rather an interesting passage to be looking at, doesn't it? And then there's a tricky bit in the passage. If you look at verse 3, the reference there to... The Antichrist. What do you make of that? So look at verse 1. It goes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's like John saying, Not everyone who claims to speak from God does speak from God. We're told to test the spirits. It's a way of saying, Evaluate what people say. Weigh it up and see if what they say is from God or not. And then you've got that tricky bit in verse 3 with the Antichrist. People have all sorts of ideas when it comes to the Antichrist. All sorts of claims are made about the Antichrist. When it comes to the Antichrist, people make all these claims, but I'm saying who he is or who it is and what they do or what they don't do. The Westminster Confession even gets in on the game. So in chapter 25 of the Westminster Confession, written 400 years ago in the setting in which it was written, it boldly declares that the Pope is the Antichrist. Should you believe that? So today, as we look at this passage, yeah, okay, it's a little bit of a tricky one, and you need to be weighing up what you hear. So I'll pray that we would be doing that, that we would be understanding. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would help us understand this part of the Bible. 
we do humbly submit our ideas to what you would have us hear. And Lord, we pray that you would correct, rebuke, change us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. At the bottom of the sermon outline, if you're looking at it, I put this little note there saying what to do when you come to a tricky passage in the Bible so that I can tell you what I think we should do. What I reckon we should do when you come to a tricky part of the Bible is, well, here's my thoughts anyway. Um, write down the questions that it generates. What, what does it make you think? Or write down the verse that's too tricky. So you, you're not going to ignore it. You're not going to forget it, but you can stop thinking about it for a bit. So write it down and then put it to one side and try to understand the rest of the passage without that bit in it and see if that makes sense and then put the tricky bit back in. You see what I'm saying? It's nothing complicated. I'm just saying narrow down what you have your questions around, note it, put it to one side, understand the rest of the passage, fit it back in and see if that makes everything fall out for you. So let's try it. Um, let's set aside the mention of the Antichrist in verse 3 and consider the rest of the passage. Looking across 1 John 4 verses 1 to 6 without reference to the Antichrist there. What we're looking at is a passage that's talking about what to believe and what not to believe. It's a warning passage, a warning not to be led astray by people who claim that they speak from God when they don't. So back to verse 1 again. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's like a warning not to be gullible Christians, not to just listen to anything that anyone will say to you, but to weigh it up, to be discerning, to be firm enough in your understanding of the truth to disregard what somebody says or sure enough of what you believe to disagree with what someone says. Verse 2 tells you how you'll know the difference between what's false and what's not or between who's a false prophet and who's a true prophet. Verse 2 says this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Just looking at verses 2 and the first part of 3, it doesn't sound complicated, does it? And yes, it is simple. It's profoundly simple. The Spirit of God will point you to Jesus. The Spirit of God at work in you will point you to Jesus, help you recognize Jesus. The Spirit of God will cause you to exalt Jesus, to recognize Jesus is God. He's Lord over you. He's master over you. So verse 2 also gives you a little hint at what the particular heresy might have been that John was writing against. It may be that there were people claiming that Jesus the man isn't actually God. Jesus the man is not actually God. Maybe that was the claim. Because if you look at the second half of verse 2, it says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh um, is from God. So perhaps John's writing into a context where people are saying, Jesus isn't God. Maybe that's the issue behind it. So I can, I can correctly say that I'm applying 1 John 4, verse 2, every time I turn a Jehovah's Witness away from our door and say, I'm not listening to you. You're not speaking the truth. I'm correctly applying 1 John 4, verse 2, when I say that the Jehovah's Witness, they are wrong. They're not teaching the truth about God. They don't recognize Jesus is God. But I'm not saying John has Jehovah's Witnesses in mind as he writes this. I'm just showing you an example of how this might play out. Um, 1 John 4 verses 1 to 2 tell us not to be gullible, but to stand up against false teaching, to recognize false teaching. 
Um, the trigger for the verse might be people de- um, denying the divinity of Jesus, but there is the broader issue too of um, not fully recognizing who Jesus is as our Lord, kind of diminishing who Jesus is. And in our day, that sort of heresy is quite uh, pro- prolific. There are many heresies which fall um, into that category of not adequately acknowledging Jesus as Lord and King and Master over us. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully Lord. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, helps us recognize that fact. Any individual or any church that diminishes Jesus is not of God. And there's too many churches that preach a message that's all about us. It goes a little bit like this. If you believe the gospel, if you become a Christian, then your life will be better. You'll be showered with blessing. You know, we kind of categorize it sometimes as a prosperity gospel, but that's simplifying it down. It's more subtle than that. Um, it's this error that takes your eyes off Jesus, that causes you not to recognize Jesus as master over your life in everything and makes you more concerned with being comfortable in this world, in this life, which, as you keep stepping through the passage, should ring bells. So if we believe uh, believe in Jesus, we do not need to fear these false prophets. If you look at verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So if you have Jesus, if you're trusting in Jesus, you can come with confidence, not fear false teachers. You will recognize false teachers because the spirit is at work in you pointing you to Jesus. Um, you don't need to be paranoid about being led astray. Just keep living for Jesus. Just keep living with him as Lord and you'll recognize these errors. I think that's the direction of verse 4. You'll recognize these errors because those who are propagating them will be more concerned with this world, this life. So verse 5, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Verse 6, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of the truth and the spirit of falsehood. We'll know the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet because the true prophet is from God And the false prophet is from the world. They'll speak in a way which is attractive to the world. They'll be worldly in what they say. They'll talk from a worldly point of view and the world will listen to them. And you think about the truth of this. So we as Christians, we have real life. It's all through 1 John. We have real life. We put our trust in Jesus. We have complete forgiveness of sins. Real life begins in us. We're looking forward to heaven. Um, We live in this world as an active part of this world, but we're not of this world. Our citizenship is with God in heaven. Our life is hidden and safe with Christ. We're longing for him to return. And reflecting on all that, it does make me think again about churches that promote the idea that if you become a Christian, your battles in this life will finish, that if you become a Christian financially, you'll be successful, that you'll be showered with good health and perfect relationships. That's not the gospel. The gospel is to repent of ignoring God and exalt Jesus as Lord in your life in everything. It means trusting in Jesus even through the struggles in this life. In fact, expecting that it's not until heaven that we will be truly blessed and not no longer suffer. Our hope and our comfort is in heaven, not in this world. And so as you hear people give you messages that cause you to put your confidence in this world, you can say, well, that's not right. That's not pointing me to Jesus. So 1 John 4 verses 1 to 6, when you take out the tricky bit in verse 3, 
it's pretty straightforward, I think. These are things, um, there are things which you believe and there are things which you should not believe. People will come professing that they know the will of God, claiming to speak from God, and you need to weigh it up and not be gullible, not just listen to anybody and everyone. How do we test what people say? How do we know what to believe? Well, if they're from God, they'll be pointing you to Jesus, causing you to exalt Jesus as Lord over everything, including your life. Meanwhile, if they're speaking falsehood, they'll most likely be causing you to put your confidence in this life and in success in this life. Ultimately, they're not acknowledging Jesus or they're diminishing who Jesus is. And like the rest of 1 John, this is advice being given to Christians who need some encouragement, to be, need to be encouraged to know that they have the truth, they have life in Christ, which I think we can do with as well, the encouragement to know that we are hanging on to the gospel. So now that we understand the passage without the tricky bit, let's come back to verse 3 and that reference to the Antichrist. So you've noted that down, that's your question, you've understood the passage without it, now slip it back in and see if it fits or if it changes what you think of the passage. So verse 2, this is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Verse 3, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now already is already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and is already in the world. Who is this Antichrist? Who is it talking about? What do we know from the rest of the Bible? I suppose it's an easy question. What do we know about the Antichrist from the rest of the Bible? And this is where technology is good or handy because you can open that ESV app on your, on your phone or go to um, Bible Gateway and search for Antichrist. And if you do, you'll find there's only four times the Antichrist is mentioned in the Bible. There's 1 John 2, verse 18. 1 John 2, verse 22. 1 John 4, verse 3, that we're looking at, and 2 John 7. And then you realise, well, actually, they're all off the pen of John. It's John's way of talking about something. It's, you want to be a smart aleck and say it's Johannine, and Lawrence will say, yeah, that's what we learned at college. It's a way of, that John uses to talk about someone or something. And that's helpful to narrow it down. So let's have a look. There's only four references. Have a look back in 1 John 2, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming even now. Many Antichrists have come. This is how you know it is the last hour. So first thing I reckon there is you're not looking at one person, one Antichrist. There's lots of them. And you know you're in the last days because they're around. They're among you. Um, that the Christians John writes to have been warned to expect antichrists. It's a sign of the times, a sign that Jesus is soon to return. Jesus the Christ is soon to return. And this name, antichrist, it is what it suggests. These people, they're anti-Jesus. They're anti-Jesus as Christ. They're not for Christ, not for Jesus. And when were... John's recipients of this letter, when were they warned to expect the Antichrist? Well, that's a bit of a trick, and this is where you weigh up what I'm telling you. The name Antichrist it doesn't appear in John's Gospel. I mean, John's Gospel is the most obvious place to look. It's bigger than 1 John. It's bigger than 2 John and 3 John. And when you look through John's Gospel, 
There's no reference to the Antichrist, but as you start flicking through, you start to hear similar sounding stuff. So in chapter 1, it says when Jesus, the word, comes into the world, the world will not receive him. It's always been this, there's always been this resistance to Jesus, this anti. Um, and as you keep flipping through John's gospel, eventually you'll come to chapter 15, verse 18, where you read, if the world hates you, talking to Jesus' disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would, have, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. It sounds a lot like our passage in 1 John, doesn't it? This thing about not being in the world, but being of God, belonging to God. Similarities with 1 John 4, 1 to 6. The world doesn't recognize Jesus, and as followers of Jesus, we're not of the world. Those sorts of ideas. Maybe, as John writes, 1 John, maybe he's alluding back to that kind of way of speaking. Keep reading back in now. We were looking at the first reference in 1 John um, 2, verse 18. Keep reading from verse 18. So it goes, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how you know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Whoever these Antichrists are, they claim to be Christian. But they've deviated. They've gone astray. Clearly they're not. And as you keep reading through, you come to um, verse 20, 1 John 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. 21. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth and because no liar comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father. And the Son. You're getting a feel for who this, these antichrists are, aren't you? It's, I think it's about as close to a definition as you can get. The antichrist um, that John warns against are people who deny Jesus. Deny Jesus as Lord over you. And when you look at it that way, it's not, it doesn't need to be tricky. It feels like people have read a lot more into this than they need to. Um, the fourth and final reference to the Antichrist is in 2 John. 2 John doesn't have chapters. It's really, really short. 2 John, in verse 7, you read, Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist, which is consistent with what we've seen in 1 John 4. It feels to me like Antichrist is a way that John uses to talk about people who are anti-Jesus, who will teach falsely, who will lead you to be distracted away from acknowledging Jesus as Lord over everything. So there is a whole lot of stuff out there that people say about the Antichrist which perhaps we can just ignore and not be distracted by. Um, I did refer to the Westminster Confession. Chapter 25 of the Westminster Confession goes so far as to declare that the Pope is the Antichrist. That's written in a, about 400 years ago, written in a particular setting. Um, I would say the Pope is not necessarily the Antichrist, but he is antichrist because the religion that he's head of doesn't fully recognize the atoning death of Jesus. And the Catholicism exalts the church or the Pope as the primary authority, pushes Jesus to one side in effect, um, which is the point actually of that part of the Westminster Confession, which I agree with. It's just a, they, it feels to me like they've gone too far in saying he's the Antichrist. I'd say he's a Antichrist. 
And while I'm at it, though, the Catholic Church isn't the only church that doesn't teach correctly about Jesus. I've already alluded to it a few times um, by talking about churches that teach a prosperity gospel. Why not name one? Hillsong over the years has developed a tradition of being recognised as a church that teaches a prosperity gospel. We should be pointing that out, not ignoring it. I suppose that's why um, when it comes to the songs we sing at church, I, I get nervous when I see anything that's from Hillsong because I know the fold that it comes out of. And how can you trust something that comes from people that are teaching a different gospel? Back to the passage at hand, the particular heresy which concerns John, I think, is the heresy of thinking that Jesus is man but not fully God. So two verse three, uh, 1 John 4 verse 2 again, this is how you recognise the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So the Antichrist is not just one person, it's people who are anti-Jesus. Anyone who denies Jesus is God is anti-Christ. Anyone who diminishes the position of God, I would say, of Jesus, I would say, is anti-Christ. People will come claiming to speak the truth when they don't point you to Jesus. And when they don't point you to Jesus as Lord over everything, you can say, no, what you're saying is not true. And you can say that with confidence. So look at verse 5 again. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. But we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever does not, is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of the truth and the spirit of falsehood. For Christians, we, our life is in Jesus. We live in the light. We live with Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour. Um, every person who claims to speak from God will encourage you to continue to live with Jesus as your Lord, to endure difficulties in this life, to have your hope firmly fixed on Jesus. Anyone who causes you to put your confidence in yourself or in your own ability um, or in anything else, you don't listen to. So hopefully, yes, it is a bit of a tricky passage, but I've put it out there. Hopefully you can weigh up what I've said, work out whether you think it's helpful or not. Um, and hopefully uh, next time you come up against a tricky part of the Bible, maybe this way of putting aside the, the problem then putting it back in might help. But let's pray for now and keep talking um, because I wouldn't claim that I have everything answered in this passage and I'm happy to talk more but let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for revealing yourself to us clearly in Jesus thank you thank you for shining your light into our dark world um, thank you for bringing life through your son Jesus and Lord we pray that you would keep growing our trust in him please keep reassuring us with the truth of the gospel Lord, please help us as we decide what to believe and what not to believe, who to trust and who not to trust. Lord, we pray that you would give us confidence to trust in everyone who points us to, to Jesus as Lord over everything. And we pray in his name. Amen.